Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast. With you, as always, is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Super stoked for tonight's guest. Uh, I was thinking about it all day, really. And like, I was thinking about the first time I met her. And it was during a time in my life where I had like, you know, a rock and roll band. I was like making my way into the world, making my way into the, the scene of Philadelphia. And um, we had heard about this new radio station that was popping off here called 104.5. And they were into alternative music. And I was like, wow, man, like check out what I found. And I was like, we're going to start having bands live on the air. You do one of your songs and then you do a cover song. And I was like, dude, we got to do it. We got to do it. And we, we got accepted and we were so nervous, so nervous. And like the way I remember like driving the van, we're like, what music should we listen to? I was like, dude, let's not listen to any music. All right. Like, let's just talk about what we're going to do. And we get there and we're met by our host who was just so nice to us. You know, like there was no um, rock and roll glitz. And gl you know what I mean? It was just like a real person being like, hey, nice to meet you. Can't wait for the show. Made us feel at ease. And afterwards, we became good friends. We found out that we had things in common, like our love of uh, Jack White and his mysterious uh, absence in the city of Philadelphia. And recently she moved back into the area and we're super stoked tonight to have here on the Bobcast, Wendy Rollins. How are you, Wendy? I am, uh, I am glowing after that introduction. I remember that very well. Uh, Downtown Harvest, still a fan, still a fan. Um, yeah, the, I loved bringing those bands in and not, not local bands or big bands or, you know, international bands, but just bands in general to just like the vibe of bringing them into a small room with a limited number of people and just being in that energy. I, I looked forward to it every time anybody walked in with an instrument in that room it because something was going to happen it had so much energy i think we did it twice and like the second time it was just as good as the first yeah uh, the the sound engineers were wonderful i remember um when we arrived i think the second time and like we went into the back room there and everybody had put up you know like a eight by ten glossy of their band and we had forgotten ours so i drew ours and recently I was back there with another band, Judah Kim and Assassination. I was happy to <laughs> report that it's still up there on the wall. But yeah, it was such a cool experience, like doing that. And like, you were super cool. And like, you could just feel that you loved music. You know what I mean? Like, and then like afterwards, I started listening to you on the radio, you know? And like, I remember it was like a Saturday or something. And like, my wife and I were going somewhere and you had 30 Seconds to Mars in the studio. And it was just awesome radio. Where, Thank like, you. You remember that time? Like it was. Just, I think it, he was sick or something. And like, uh, dude, if I may, um, I'll go ahead and tell you. It's funny that you say thirty seconds to Mars because, um, in all honesty, now because I don't have that gig now, I, I can I just say it. Um, thirty seconds to Mars, specifically Jared Leto, is is <laughs> is kind of difficult. Um, and so you're always kind of holding your breath when that guy would come in because. Oh, wow. you, you didn't know who you were going to get. He's an actor. So you didn't know which version of him you were going to get, which, of course, dictated where you were going to go with the interview and the vibe. And you just didn't know. Um, so, yeah, it's funny that you you bring that one up because it was always like, man, when I woke up knowing that he was going to be in that room, I'd be like, oh, wow. That's interesting. Okay. 
I mean, he is a vampire. I mean, I think he actually is going to be playing a vampire in a movie coming up. But I mean, like, yeah. it, 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 like you were good at like, um, it always felt like, you, like you were like a, um, you know, a radio personality on like, you know, um, you know, top station, but you also had that like gorilla, like radio feel, you know what I mean? Like, towards like your vibe towards like how you like it felt like you knew the music not just listen to it you know what i mean like other like vjs or something like you know like they're just they're not into it they're just doing it because it's like a job where right, did you right. where, did, where did you like get infected by music um for me i've always been a music fan i grew up in a house where uh, my mom was motown my brother was you know what they called new wave back in the 80s uh, my dad was was definitely on that classic rock tip. So um, and then there was like jazz and classical and all that. But for alternative, uh, I was lucky enough to be there in the thick of it um, in like college and high school and stuff like that. So uh, I was growing up in Atlanta and uh, listening to the typical top 40 station, because I know for some people it's hard to imagine, but there was no alternative radio. That word didn't exist. Um, but there were bands like REM and Jane's Addiction, but nobody knew what to do with them. So uh, there was a station that signed on there, uh, which was 99X in Atlanta. Um, and I was a fast fan, um, just immediately grasped onto that. Um, and I, I, I went to every show. I um, I found myself like recording, not just the music that was coming off the station, but the jocks as well. Um, and so I, I would find like any newspaper article on them. I, I would, anything I could find. The real kicker was, uh, I read in the newspaper, Leslie Fram, who was the, uh, she was one of the morning show co-hosts. Leslie Fram described as, program director and I was like I don't I don't know what that is I don't I don't know so I don't even know how I figured it out but ultimately what I found out was program director is the person who runs the station um they're the boss and I was like wait a minute so there's a woman running this radio station and they're playing this music oh, wait a minute and so literally I changed schools I changed majors. Uh, I went to a school that could literally have me on the air in two weeks. Uh, and that, that was it. Um, and so that, that was the game changer for me was specifically um, that radio station and Leslie Fram, who I am now friends with and uh, still to this day get, you know, all starry eyed if she so much as walks in a room. Um, but that, that is 100% where I came from. Uh, there was also a jock on the air there. Uh, his name was Sean Demery. And unfortunately, he uh, he passed away unexpectedly several years ago. But a lot of my style on the air uh, definitely came from him. He was a guy that was absolutely a music fan, um, but really enjoyed being in the mix and talking about music. And that was kind of where I got the idea of not the game show host, but like somebody who truly like wanted to say, hey, check this out. To me, that's what a jock is supposed to do. Let me play this for you. Let me tell you about this band. Yeah, to get excited, to get excited about like what 
you're excited about because that's like what art's all about, you know? And like when it comes to music, especially like, you know, I was just thinking today, you know, um, this airs on Monday. So last Friday, it was the 30th anniversary of Nirvana's Nevermind, you know? And like that statement, you said there was no such thing as alternative music. And I remember like being like 12 or 13, like when the term alternative music came out and we all hated it, (laughs) you know? We were like, it's not alternative. (laughs) Like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, oh, well, they dress alternatively. It's because they've got flannels that are from the Salvation Army. It's because their hair is markered up with Kool-Aid. It's like, we're just trying to, like, express ourselves. And then, like, we're already labeled as something that's not mainstream. And I think that that further pushed, like, people like Eddie Vedder to, you know, Eddie's post versus career is crazy. He, He hates radio. He hates music. He goes completely nuts. And I really think that it has something to do with like the way it was labeled, you know, like grunge alternative. It's it's just pop music, really. But I mean, we got to label everything. So what are your thoughts on that? And I absolutely agree. And I've read in so many places where, yes, Eddie Vedder, um, you know, I think he had he had he had kind of a meltdown um, because everybody tried to say this is what Eddie Vedder's about. And I think at that point in his life as a much younger man at that time. I don't think Eddie Vedder knew what Eddie Vedder was about. Um, and mm-hmm. I think he was very uncomfortable in that space of, you know, he, he just, he wanted to front a band and he wanted to write some, some lyrics and some things that he felt. Um, and he just, he just wanted to play music. But now you've got all the way up to Time Magazine, you know, making judgment be it good or bad, uh, of who these people are. And I think, I think that exactly is also what frankly took Kurt Cobain out was the fact that he felt there was so much spotlight. I think he would have been, I think he would have been comfortable being a front man in a band and, and doing well. But I think the fact that he became the poster child um, as somebody who wasn't really comfortable in his own skin, did not go well for him. And I think it was just it was just too much. And I think when everybody projects an idea of who you are and what you're about, I, I see a, a lot of a lot of guys in bands go through it. You know that that weird spot where, okay, I was a local band like a year ago, and now everybody thinks they know me and everybody even if they don't they've decided who I am and what I'm about um I think that I see that a lot but then I also see um a lot of people who have made it so to speak and then find well I'm still unhappy with where I'm at I'm still unhappy with who I am as a person um and and so I, I think there's there's a lot of conflict there. And I think like you and I were both talking about that that era of Eddie Vedder where he started walking around with uh, the the helmet on and yeah. everything. And, and he was a touring in a radio. Remember that? Yeah, he was touring in a bus. And yeah. I remember reading about that and being like, of course, that was the time when, you know, of course nobody would let me interview anyone. But I was like, mm-hmm. my God, I want to talk to this guy. Like I want to, not, not like I'm going to have some sort of psychotherapy lesson with, with Eddie Vedder, but, but I had so many questions as a fan. Yeah. Um, you knew what you knew, you wanted to know what 
his artistry meant to him. I I felt that I I just was so confused. I was like, they were like, you know, I loved that band and I just wanted them to tour. And I remember not being able to get tickets because of like, I believe that they played like a Washington DC or something like this. And like to get tickets, you had to like show up somewhere. And it was just, I get, I got it though, why they, they did it. And now his career, you know, is completely, you know, he's got a really good character arc, you know, now like, you know, they're doing these massive concerts and they're, they're doing their thing and they appreciate, you know, their art for what, you know, it is. My question for you is like, of all of the musicians that you met, who would you say was the, the, the most well-adjusted towards their fame, stardom and career? Oof. That's actually a very tough question um, because I think of so many of them that, um, you know, it, it's, it's on like a sliding scale, you know, like they're doing really well, um, but they're still not the average person, <laughs> you know, um, it, oh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, I think. I think one of the people that I liked speaking to the most um, was uh, Brian O'Bear of Silver Sun Pickups. Um, just a really charming guy. Um, but likewise, like he could get pretty dark. Um, but I always loved having conversations with him. I always looked forward to those. Um, Dan Smith of Bastille is another one like that. You, you can talk to him all day, but like, I mean, look, that's the reason they write lyrics. They can get pretty dark. They, they can mm. go down that rabbit hole. Um, and that's, that's what makes them special. You know, you don't want them to lose that. No, you don't. Um, for me, the one that I met who was the most, I guess, I, 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 it's so, so hard because I believe he's like an alien. He's not from this planet and he does things other people just don't. Um, somewhere in the mid 2010s there whatever they call that decade uh we got the chance to like be the third band on the bill to open for it was called perry pharrell's satellite party mm, and yeah, per yeah perry didn't show up until like literally like he had to like they opened the back door handed him the microphone and he was on stage just kicking it but afterwards he was so sweet to us he never saw us that day he just arrived but he invited us into his dressing room while he was doing yoga with his wife and he was just he had this like very calm, like alien like uh, ability to just be like, yeah, man, thanks. <laughs> you know, it was like a good moment. Um, yeah, he actually it's funny you bring him up because he for everything that guy has been through. I mean, if you look at old footage of him, you're like, my God, how is he still standing? Yeah. Um, but yeah, just seems seems uh quite well adjusted uh same with uh, dave navarro of of jane's addiction um those guys were out there um mm -hmm. but to talk with them yeah very very calm and 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 like you said i'm pretty sure there's an alien in there like maybe he takes off his human suit at night but he's a very nice alien <laughs> yeah he's very nice i mean also he i mean he he kept Lollapalooza alive, you know, whereas it's yes. not traveling like it used to be. It's in Chicago. Um, I streamed a, a bunch of things that weekend and I caught uh, Limp Biscuits like resurgence. Like nobody like they did. You happen to see that uh, Woodstock uh -huh. 1999 documentary? Uh, I have not seen that, but I got to tell you, I I loved that Limp Biscuit came out there and just absolutely nailed that set. I love it. I don't know <laughs> yeah. what's going to come of it, but I was like. I, I, 
I love a good comeback and I don't care who it is. And I was like, you know what? He's going to go out there in, you know, the total dad wear and, and which I also, I, I don't know if it was that planned out, but I thought it was a stroke of brilliance because I saw it as people were going to be like, Oh, Limp Biscuit has been their dads. They're, they're old. And the fact that he was like, you want to see old, let me show you like the fact that he just went, full throttle dad wear i yeah. thought stroke of brilliance he was like what? what's he an old man here's an old man <laughs> their their new single is called dad vibes and they're going to release exactly. a new album so i, I it got me it, like it did that yeah. magical thing that like uh we were talking about at the beginning of the show it's like when you like the music clicks with you and like the the place where you are in your life and you're like oh yeah like i felt the same thing like i love the comeback you know what i mean like it's like so, like i think in a world where it's like Everything is cancel culture. Everything's like, you're done. We don't want you no more. And then all of a sudden, Limp Biscuit shows back up and proves that they could, you know, rock harder than than most bands yeah. in their in their late 40s, early 50s. And yeah. I, I, I'm a sucker for West Borland. Like, I, I remember being like a kid and just being like, why is everybody in the band look, you know, like everybody else? But why is he different? And why does he like paint his face? And like, I just thought it was brilliant. And like his costume for that day was so iconic. But. I'm so stoked that you like that too, because it was like, it was like this moment where it was like, oh, they're back. <laughs> you know, like. Well, you know, it's, it's just, it's funny to me because um, it's actually, um, it's funny that Limp Biscuit comes up because that's one of those things, unless somebody asks me point blank, I, who, who the fuck brings up Limp Biscuit? you know, <laughs> <Me>. but I, <laughs> I, if somebody asks me, yeah, I'll have to admit it. Do I know every word of break stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I actually, one of, one of, uh, a guy I know is actually in the video and it still cracks me up because I'm like, there he is. There he is. Oh, that's great. It's just like quick cameos and everything. But uh, yeah, when they did that video and and still mm -hmm. to this day, I like applaud it. I'm like, damn, he was in a lip biscuit. <laughs> yeah. I went back and listened to like all of it. I, I, I went through their Spotify. I was like curious oh, to see like same. what, what happened yeah. afterwards. Like, cause Wes leaves and then like, they're doing this other thing. And like, it's just crazy. Like I love band stories and like that's always like been like my, like I love reading like rock bios to find out things about like, you know, the little idiosyncrasies, like books, like, you know, scar tissue heavier than hell, like all these books, mm -hmm. like, you know, about nineties, like rock icons and stuff like that. Also, by the way, uh, you mentioned Dave Navarro. That was my, fr my first red hot chili peppers concert was with Dave Navarro there. <gasps> Oh, yeah. the one album he did with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved it. It was like, I loved every track on there. Um, I and thought I it was overlooked. Yeah. It's very overlooked. And like, um, I remember he, like, he covered like, um, oh, you know who opened? Silverchair. What? Silverchair oh opened for the Red Hot Chili Peppers at the Spectrum. I can't remember the year. I think there's some YouTube footage of it, but like those moments like um, are great. And it's like, I know there's, you know, there's always been this like consensus around like you know you know i'm in, like i'm 41 and like people my age they're like oh rock and roll is dead man rock and roll is dead. it's like it's not dead it's just you gotta go looking for it you know like you gotta go find it and that's where all like the good bands like come from is like when you you know you least expect it and stuff like that and i love i used to hate technology now i embrace it because spotify will show me something that like i i've become fans of bands and i've interviewed someone on my podcast from Spotify, you know, and like you can't tell when you listen on Spotify if somebody is uh, got a hundred million followers, followers, excuse me, or like two thousand followers. And this band, Deluxe, that I, I think everybody should go and listen to because it's fun. If it's drinking on a Friday night, they're like, 
you know, like new age disco. It's a shame, though, that bands have to contend with that. And sometimes I bring it up on my show and with younger artists and like, you know, they'll be like, no, Internet's great, man. Like, you know, like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, you know, like imagine like Nirvana like in 93 on Instagram. Like, what would it look like? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've got a lot of thoughts on that. I mean, first of all, your your statement about, you know, when people are like, oh, there's no good rock bands anymore. Uh, it, my first answer is you're not looking. Yes, absolutely. I, people people are lazy. Um, and and, you know, it used to be that you could, frankly, turn on the radio and that was the tastemaker. And you knew that you would find something cool there. Well, now you can't just do that. You know, you got you got to look at Spotify. People find stuff on YouTube. People find stuff still just walking in a club and seeing the opening band. God love an opening band. Um, but, you know, now there's a lot of different avenues. And yes, you have to do the homework. And yes, sometimes you find something and you're like, oh, I, I hate this, <laughs> you know, yeah. but sometimes you find something very cool. Um, I know a lot of bands are getting attention that they hadn't gotten before on TikTok. <laughs> Do I kind of roll my eyes at that? Yeah, but at the same time, are you getting the attention for a, a, a well-deserved band? All right, awesome, go for it. Whatever it takes, you know? Um, and and so I think there's, there's a lot of different avenues where you can find bands. Um, but to answer the other part of your question, Nirvana on Instagram. Yeah, that's weird. Um, because bands like The Cure, Nirvana, um, you know, there, there was mystery to them. There was that sort of rock and roll, uh, you know, stardom that they were so untouchable that, you know, either you saw them on stage if you got the ticket or you didn't, you know, and, and I do value that. Now, I think there's kind of, I feel like there's some bands that, that they're, they're, they're pressured to to, to post the content, if you will. Um, I've even seen bands say, manager says I need to post more content, <laughs> you know? Um, which is kind of a bummer because I don't feel like bands should be in the content game, so to speak. Um, I, I get why, you know, algorithms and all that kind of stuff, but I am nostalgic for, you know, those bands, like I said, that, they released music, they went on tour, and if you saw them, great. If you didn't, they're gone. Like, you know, Thief yeah. in the Night, gone. I agree. Um, it's like and I have seen some bands that that still do that. When they're on an album cycle, there's stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear from them. They're doing interviews. There's videos. But when they're not, they disappear. And I kind of like that. Yeah, you're so right, because it's like, I mean, you never saw Kurt, you know, and Saturday Night no. Live uh, and also like, you know, there's no Internet, there's no TMZ. Like if you're a fan of uh, Machine Gun Kelly, you can check in with them every day and be like, how you doing? You know what I mean? Like, you know everything about him now in today's world. I also think, you know, as you were like reflecting, maybe Kurt would like it because he was so visual with his art and stuff. And like he always thought like you know, like nobody who likes my art, they just like my, you know, riffs and stuff or like screaming. Maybe he would like it. Who's, who's to say? But I mean, you know what? That's that's a pretty interesting point, because I could mm -hmm. see a guy like him saying, you know, like you said, well, he, he has art as well, you know, uh, and, and he had those journals. Maybe he maybe he would have liked the idea of 
hey, I have a medium here where I can do artwork or I can just scribble a, a few lyrics or whatever. Um, and and I can I can share that uh, and, and leave that with my fans. Uh, and maybe they find out about something that I, I really like this piece, but I never developed it into a song. Yes, yeah. you, you, you bring up an interesting point. Yeah, it would have been really um, interesting to see because he always wanted to get his point across. Um, one of the things you brought up was uh, bands on TikTok and them doing well. Did, did you happen to catch when Greta Van Fleet went uh, viral on TikTok for the, the, the Saturday Night Live challenge? No. So I don't know if you caught them on Saturday Night Live. Um, the lead singer was kind of nervous, you know, and uh, it was just not a good performance. So on TikTok, they have him on the left and then other people on the right are like basically making fun of him and trolling him like and like doing like his nervous like mannerisms. But they got, you know, an increase of um, streaming that week just because of that from a whole new audience that would have never seen them. So it's like also, too, you could be shamed into popularity. <laughs> you know, it's like I I am so happy that, you know, we got a chance to talk about, you know, the 90s because it's such a special moment of like my life. It's like all those bands meant something like you were saying, like they were untouchable and they had such, you know, gravitas over my life. I mean, I guess. The last question I have for you before I'm going to let you go this evening. Um, I've always a couple of questions like I've always wanted to know what's your favorite band? Oh, God. I mean, look, I mean, I, like, I, what's the one that like you there's always record. there's got to be one, though, that's like the. Uh, OK, let me uh, let me rephrase that. OK, I'll give you some specific uh, spec specifications. OK, it's you're going on vacation and you got to take the album with you. Say, for instance, there is no streaming services, you know. And you got to take the CD with you to listen to the car because it makes you feel really good. You don't have to give me the all time one, but something that's like a band that's like, you know, like that well, go to I'll, good. How, how about this? How about I give you a couple of top albums like front to back? Yeah, that's good. They're for me. phenomenal. Um, I would say one of the first ones that will always come to mind for me is Jeff Buckley's Grace. Um, Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream, uh, R.E.M.'s Green. Um, uh, totally offline for all the ones I just listed. Um, Foster the People, Torches, um, I think is a phenomenal album. Uh, let's see. Um, Silver Sun Pickups, Swoon. Uh, I, I could listen to that one over and over. Um, but then, you know, uh, there's... Like I said, you know, I, I, I get into to classical and, and jazz as well. But as far as like, you know, front to back albums, those are ones that off the top of my head, I have a very hard time, <laughs> uh, you know, turning off uh, at any point. Um, uh, oh, uh, how did I forget? Radiohead's OK Computer. Um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I could, I could just go down a very I, long list. but I get the idea. I totally, I see where you're going with it. Two of the, the bands that you mentioned, I have a particular connection with too. Just be, I mean, first off was REM. Like to me, as a kid growing up in the early 90s, REM felt not like a band, but like a religion that I might be able to go join. You know what I mean? Like, yes. It felt yes. like it felt like there was like something cooking with them that was beyond pop culture, beyond entertainment. And like there was just this feeling when Michael Stipe, still I still follow him like listen to him when Michael Stipe talks 
that in my mind is how a person should be presidential, if you will. I don't know if you ever saw his speech when he inducted Nirvana into the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He just he resonates with people, you know, like and I miss them. I miss that band. And something about Smashing Pumpkins, that album, I had the cassette tape, Siamese Dream. And that summer, all I wanted to do is find somebody who had an ice cream truck so bad. I never heard <laughs> like riffs like that, you know, and then like his trajectory of like him being the guy that's hanging outside the ice cream truck to all of a sudden being bald, looking like a vampire screaming about <laughs> raging in a cage or something. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, I, I worked yeah. at Sam Goody and sold the uh, melancholy and the infinite sadness. And pe- I remember people like coming to buy it and being like, Wait, why is this so expensive? <laughs> you know, like it's two, there's two in there. You know, it's like the beginning yeah. of people getting two and not being able to process it. But yeah, I, I love your choices, by the way. Um, those albums are iconic. Something about those ones that they're just, just too good, you know, like they're classics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, I, I, there are just certain songs, particularly of like Mayonnaise from, from Siamese Dream is one of those songs that like there's, it's something that happens with me when I hear a song um, I will literally just be doing whatever I'm doing and I will stop and I will look at the speakers. Um, and, and those are the moments where th- those albums that I just listed, it's almost every song that I, I can't, I can't do anything else. Like that's a hundred percent of my attention right there because I just need to inhale every note of what's happening. And I cannot, uh, take any of my attention off what's happening. It doesn't matter how many times I've heard it, you know, and that to me is, is what music's about. And I fully recognize that those albums I listed, other people would be like, eh, or maybe they hate them. Maybe it's something else. And that also is what I find so fantastic about music is that that list could be radically different uh, to any other person you talk to. Uh, it's so individualized and people hear it so differently. I, I believe that that's a, um, it's a classic age old mistake. And like people, well, I don't like the Dave Matthews band. It's like, well, you just shut down the whole conversation that, you know what I mean? Like people's opinion, everyone should be allowed to like what they, they like, you know? And that's, what's great about music and art is like, there's a lot of it. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like I always tried to like any person to get like, like you should check out this band. Like I'm going to check it out because I believe in you. You know what I mean? Like, right, I think right. that sometimes music gets like, I definitely was, I remember like uh, even in the nineties, like I was Nirvana. My friend Kevin was uh Pearl Jam and my friend Drew was Stone Temple Pilots. And when I say we were, we were, we wore those clothes. I couldn't listen to Pearl Jam because no, you like Nirvana, man. I like Pearl Jam. And it's like, <laughs> it's still, it still happens in today's world. You know, people are all, yeah. like, I mean, yeah. look at our, current political climate which is an entire another podcast but your um appreciation for music is uh infectious uh truth be told directly after this podcast i'm going into my studio and i'm going to make something just because it just was such a good time to to chat back with you and like i said thanks for uh taking care of uh us back in the day like you made us feel very welcome oh absolutely it it was absolutely my my pleasure because like I said, I, I mean, I remember going to see you guys. I, I had a blast, you know, that was not lip service. You know, sometimes, like you said, you, you see a band or you hear a band and 
as a as a rule in radio, I it was a big thing to never be disrespectful about a band that maybe I didn't like even because my thought was somebody that's listening probably loves this band. Everybody's a fan of something. And I, the one thing I don't like is when people are like, oh, that band sucks. Well, to you it does, but you know, specifically working in radio, you're talking to everybody. So somebody out there loves fill in the blank band. They do. And so I would never want to detract from that Um, because you can't tell somebody, no, that band's terrible. Well, how do you know? (laughs) You know, and it's also somebody who doesn't play music either. It's like they just, you know, like it's like somebody who uh, is a painter just criticizing, you know, somebody's, you know, never touched the brush in their entire life. It's weird. It's like I think a lot of times people like to uh, judge. They like to shame because it's a direct reflection of their own insecurities and like. I think that, you know, like we said before, sometimes like, you know, um, people can find happiness within music. So they're very protective of it. And it's like, it's kind of cool, really. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like being protective of, of a, oh, that's my band. <laughs> you know, like I love that about music. I love being a fan of music. And uh, I'm super stoked you moved back to Philadelphia. I wish you the best. Well, thank you very much. Uh, hopefully we uh, we run into each other at a show or something. Or let's do this again, because I. I, I could talk with you for hours. Uh, oh, I, had, I had a great music. time. I had a great time. It's, we'll definitely do it again. It would it would be my my pleasure because it's it's like I said, it's infectious. Like I love go jam right now. It just it feels good to like to play music and at any age too. By the way, I, this has been an ongoing theme with the podcast. Look, if you've never played guitar, you're in your mid forties or something. Call me. All right, I'll teach it to you. Okay, and I'll teach it to you for free over Zoom. All right, so that's a promise to my fans out there. You're never too it's never too late in the game to learn something. Somebody just told you at one point that you sucked and you believed it. So give me a call. Like I said, Wendy, thanks so much. I appreciate it. We're definitely going to do this again. And uh, I hope to talk to you soon. Absolutely. You will. Thanks so much for having me. Um, And uh, I appreciate your time, man. All right. My name's Bob, and this has been another episode of the Bobcast.